Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Jerry Kenny, and thanks for watching this edition of America's Survival TV on Roku. Tonight's edition of America's Survival TV will be the last of this year. We'll be back again live on January the 7th. But tonight, we are very honored to have as our guest John A. Stormer, the famous conservative author who wrote the bestseller, None Dare Call It Treason, all the way back in 1964. In total, his Liberty Bell Press has published and distributed over 11 million books. So let's go to Cliff Kincaid in Washington, D.C. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, this is a great show tonight. Uh, we're really uh, privileged and honored to have John Stormer uh, talking to us by telephone on America's Survival TV. This is our final program of the year, and it's fitting uh, that John Stormer would join us to look back uh, not only on this year, but what's to come. Uh, we're coming upon now starting the seventh year of the Obama administration. And it seems to many of us conservatives that uh, it's almost hopeless to turn this country around. But things have looked dire in the past. And John Stormer is somebody who understood how difficult the situation was back in 1964 when he wrote None Dare Call It Treason. It sold seven million copies, seven million copies. And then several years later, he wrote the book, Death of a Nation. And I have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, all of these books are in my personal library. They've really had an impact on me, especially the first one, None Dare Call It Treason, 1964, seven million copies sold. Then, Death of a Nation, and after that, the follow-up, really, to both of those, None Dare Call It Treason, 25 years later. Now, in addition, John Stormer has written several other books, books that I also have, that I strongly recommend. Some of these are out of print, and we'll, we'll talk to John about why and whether some of these can be brought back for purposes of history to educate the next generation about what's happened in our great country. But his other books include Growing Up God's Way, How to Train Kids, How to Train Young People to Be Religious and Conservative and Responsible Adults, How Parents Can Have a Positive Impact on Their Children. And then this one, another one in my personal library, Betrayed by the Bench about the out-of-control judiciary. Again, John Stormer has been on the cutting edge of everything that matters. I would describe him as the most important, most influential uh, conservative journalist uh, in history. Incredible success. Again, None Dare Call It Treason came out in 1964, really to coincide with the Barry Goldwater for President campaign. Seven million copies, and as Jerry pointed out, in total, the publisher of the book, his John Stormer's Liberty Bell Press, has published and distributed 11 million copies of these different books. John Stormer, thanks for coming on the show with us tonight. It's a real privilege to be with you, Cliff. John, thank you for spending this time with us. Uh, there's so much that we want to talk about uh, with my co-host and producer, Jerry Kenny. Uh, and we do want to get to what's happening now and how you see uh, the future uh, going forward. But if I can, let me ask you to go back in history uh, to that period before None Dare Call It Treason came out in 1964. Uh, what caused you to write this book? Give us some sense of the situation at that time 
and why you wrote the book and what impact you think it had on the American people at the time? Well, that's a good question. Uh, the, the start or the, the, the decision to start to do a book, I was, a, I was an editor of an electrical magazine and uh, I'd served in the Air Force and did some writing there. But uh, actually, in, in 1960, uh, Human Events uh, sponsored a uh, political action conference in Washington. And I had picked up something in, in, in our local library, and it uh, announced this, this was coming. And I decided it'd be a good idea for me to go. So uh, uh, I attended this. It was a three-, four-day meeting in Washington with a number of uh, people speaking. Uh, oh, Barry Goldwater was there. Uh, uh, he suddenly lost the name. The, the congressman from, from Minnesota uh, who had been a missionary to China and saw the communists there and uh, decided he needed to do what he could do to awake the American people. Oh, are you and talking were, uh, about Walter Judd? Dr. Judd, that's right. Dr. Judd, yes, I met him. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, his his explanation of how most members of Congress didn't have any understanding of what was going on and, and uh, uh, what he gave himself to try and awaken some American people to. And after that, uh, after that conference, and uh, a couple of people there, I met a couple of people there. A fellow Schlafly was there, uh, a couple of other people, and uh, there were oh, I guess uh, 300, 350 people there for those three or four days. And uh, uh, I decided after what I heard. Uh, that what I should do is write a 16-page pamphlet explaining what the threat was. <laughs> and, of course, it, uh, it grew into uh, a 254-page book. And uh, I worked on that for, uh, for a couple of years. Actually, uh, I left my business at the time. There was a man from Kansas City. He was a Democrat, but he awakened to what was going on and what was happening to the money. And he did, he uh, was involved in in overseeing President Truman's actual finances and so forth through his bank. And uh, he, he became a, an outspoken conservative and got himself very well informed. And I went to a meeting and heard him speak there and congratulated him on what I heard. At that point, he convinced me that I ought to leave my business and go to work for him. And for his campaign in 1962, I wrote his his speeches and uh, did some further research and so forth and uh, decided that the book needed to grow. And I spent, uh, after that campaign was over, and he didn't win, but... Uh, I settled down to write, and dare call it treason, and I spent two years uh, to do that. And when I thought that I had finished an excellent book, uh, I gave it to my wife to read, and then I spent nine months to rewrite it. <laughs> and uh, she uh, she had a real contribution in that way to the language. Now, I've, I've been writing for a living for many years, but uh, uh, it, it, it brought the, the book up to date. Then, uh, uh, of course, there were no conservative publishers in those days. Well, there was one conservative publisher who had a couple of books out, and uh, no, no publishing organizations were interested. And I knew that, or if they did take the book on... Uh, they wouldn't really do anything with it. So what I decided to do, I mimeographed uh, the whole manuscript, 
And I, in the process, had gotten to know a few conservatives here and there, and I knew some people that were trying to do some things. So I printed up a, a hundred and twenty-five copies of the manuscript, and uh, actually mailed those to eighty-seven people that I knew were concerned conservatives. And I said, "Now, here's a book that I've just written, and if you think you could use some of them, uh, if I can, if I can get enough of advance orders, or if I could come up with the money to print a hundred thousand copies." Uh, of a paperback book, uh, I think we we could get them out. I made the price right that uh, if you bought a, a, a hundred or a thousand copies of, of uh, the first Thunder Call of Treason, we published a hundred thousand of them and actually had orders for 57,000 copies of wow. Thunder Call of Treason. And uh, it was issued in uh, uh, in '64, and uh, it was picked up by the Goldwater campaign. And, uh, well, as as you mentioned, I think in the first in the first six months we sold uh, about five million of them, and they continued to sell. And uh, uh, we made the price down to if you bought a hundred copies, you should get them for $25 a copy. Uh, and if you bought a uh, hundred, you could buy them for a hundred dollars. And uh, the thing became a runaway bestseller. There's maybe a challenge there for uh, an individual that's concerned about things and, and uh, has something to say. They put it together. Uh, and I saw the need for a couple of books that I read uh, were very uh, had a great impact on me. If they had actual references that I could check out for myself, and uh, I think Nutter Call It Treason, we had about eighty. Uh, I believe there were eighty-four, uh, eight hundred and forty references that. Uh, uh, were in the book as uh, documenting everything he said, where anybody who got concerned could, could go out and, and look up the references and find them, House Committee materials and, and other things like that. The Goldwater campaign itself uh, did not early do any promotion on the book, but there were a few Goldwater uh, offices around the country that uh, started to buy books. And there were different conservative organizations. Uh, actually, some people uh, uh, said initially that uh, John Birch Society was the big thing. But I think I think that we sold uh, uh, four or five million books before the Birch Society picked it up and, and promoted it. And uh, uh, different conservative organizations of that sort. Uh, actually, of the seven million books that we sold, I think there were less than 100,000 that had been sold through the normal book channels. Uh, they just weren't interested in things like that. Hmm. Uh, now, after so, this, after, let me ask you this. We're speaking with John Stormer. He's the author of the 1964 bestseller, uh, sold over 7 million copies, None Dare Call It Treason, uh, a phenomenal success story in the history of conservative journalism. He's talked about how he basically had to publish it himself uh, through his Liberty Bell Press, uh, then later uh, wrote Death of a Nation, and then None Dare Call It Treason 25 years later. Now, John, the uh, defeat of Barry Goldwater uh, must have been uh, a real blow. Uh, really? <laughs> I think that Goldwater has not gotten the credit. He, he ran that year and was defeated badly. But the people that really got involved through my book, what Goldwater said, and picked it up, and those people moved in to influence the Republican Party and uh, get key positions in the Republican Party and built the core of people who ultimately elected 
Ronald Reagan oh. in 1980. Uh, those were people that when they came to see what was going on, uh, one, one of the sad things we have is people see something and they get stirred up and they do a little something and then, then they back away. But uh, these were people who who got the background and got the, the background out of Mandericola Treason, for example, writing or reading of their own. And uh, once they once they got invested, in, involved, uh, they kept on working and they went on to influence the Republican Party. And uh, uh, Reagan then, of course, uh, he he bought books uh, himself and, and ended up uh, becoming governor of California. But uh, people picked it up and, and, and did something with what they did and, and kept on going. There's a lot of people today get stirred up about something and <laughs> they get a little bit involved but then they slow down and, and quit. But uh, we need people today who, uh, well, they're upset today about uh, the president and uh, some of the things that Congress has done or not done. And, and people will get involved for a short time, maybe, but they don't go on and, and, and keep with it until there is a real change made. John, let me uh, go over something you just said. You said Ronald Reagan had copies of your book uh, that it, it had an impact on him that he, in effect, recommended it. Did you ever get a chance to talk to Reagan personally about this book? Uh, yes, I did after it was published. Uh, I was an alternate to the uh, 1964 Republican National Convention. I was an alderman from Missouri, and uh, there was a fellow from California named Ronald Reagan who was an alternate delegate from California, and I did have the opportunity to uh, uh, meet him at that convention out in San Francisco, and we sat and visited for a time. And uh, uh, Reagan, of course, had been involved in the national media. Uh, I think he, he, he did a series for General Electric on the threat of communism. And uh, Reagan said to me, he said, you know, uh, when I was doing this series on communism for, uh, for General Electric, he said, uh, and I thought I was really covering what was needed, but he said, I read your book, and he said it scared the pants off of me. <laughs> and uh, he went on and, and bought copies and distributed to his friends and so forth back in in 1964. That's an incredible story. And of course, Reagan had fought the communists in Hollywood. Right. He knew what they were all about, but he said even he was shocked. It scared him, scared his pants off, uh, the incredible detail in your book. And, and that's what impressed me when I read it at the time. Uh, I, I, it was so well documented, so many footnotes uh, based on congressional hearings, investigations. Uh, clearly you had done your homework and it was uh, very difficult to rebut uh, what what you had included in there. Now, There were uh, people who tried to rebut it. Uh, there was a, a, a doctor and his wife in Cincinnati. Who, uh, they got the book and one or another. I think his wife really got stirred up and her husband said, well, uh, and they met a couple of friends, and they went to work, and uh, in fact, they brought their friends together and did the research to go out and get every one of the, uh, every one of the, the, the documentation for every one of the 800 and some uh, uh, references in the book, and they collected all that material and fortunately gave it to me then. And in fact, I still have a, a stack of all the, the documentation uh, that backed up, none dare call it treason. Uh, there were people who, who were careful, and that's, that's the way I get started. I'd read something, and I'd say, well, this is just too far out, and I'd go ahead and check. And, and if I could find that 
the, the most far out things I could find the the actual references for. That, that was uh, I went through two three years that way, and a few people uh, did that same sort of background and reference and went on from there. Let me ask you this: You mentioned how the John Birch Society got involved in uh, distributing the book later. Uh, but that they weren't the main movers behind it. Uh, the Birch Society is still associated in the public w mind with believing in some kind of master conspiracy beyond communism, beyond international Marxism. Uh, do you hold that view, or do you think the communist conspiracy is the main enemy? Well, that's one of the real questions that uh, frequently come up, and there are other there are other groups and organizations. Uh, for example, uh, the Communist Manifesto was actually written in 18, 1855, 56, somewhere in there in the 1850s, uh, and uh, even they acknowledged that there were other organizations at work there have always been groups of, of conspiratorial minded people trying to to influence society and take it over but uh, it's, it's centered in on the, on the communists and, and of course uh, today most people would say uh, we don't have any, you know, the communists and the, the Berlin Wall came down and uh, but uh, the communists are very active people today, as, as you've shown in the, in the book that you've done. But uh, we need to realize, for example, uh, uh, some of our listeners have heard of Ferguson, Missouri, <laughs> and uh, all the, the late controversy of the, the killing of a, of a, of a, uh, a gentle giant. And uh, it's been interesting that uh, I, I was close to that because uh, I had lived there for a long time. And uh, when that whole controversy arose over, over uh, the killing of that young man by a Ferguson policeman, and uh, there were all sorts of outrage explained, but... Uh, we were probably uh, two weeks into that controversy and those protests and all the rest before I heard mention the word communism twice. And uh, a few police organizations did come to the place where, for example, they found that uh, for over two months there were hundreds of people, hundreds of people, came in from all over the country and were put into local hotels and organized those protests. And I think, I personally am convinced that the communists had, had quite a part to play in that. And uh, the communists are at work in our country today, take advantage when things do come up, uh, to stir it up and try to go another step further, looking to ultimately bring about revolution. Yes, and uh, I've seen it for myself. I've covered that. I was in Washington, D.C. just about a week ago when there was this uh, so-called anti-police violence rally, and I actually took pictures, John took video, of several communist groups active on the scene there. So you're right, the communists uh, continue to exploit. They're given, very, they're given very little attention or credit for what they're doing. Yes. Now, let me ask you this, though. Uh, when your book, uh, None Dare Call It Treason, 25 years later came out, this was, um, let me see, I think the first, it first came out in 1990 uh, in hardcover, and then the first paperback edition, 1992. Uh, right. I noticed you have a chapter in there, Did Communism Die? Uh, when, when, when uh, the Berlin Wall fell down, when it looked like Gorbachev was presiding over this 
opening uh, of the old Soviet Union, the collapse, so-called. Uh, so-called. What, what was your reaction, and, and what do you think uh, the Russians today, led by Vladimir Putin, are really up to? They are very, very active, uh, actually, all over the world. Uh, they have people working in, in, in uh, Africa and various places. Uh, uh, they have, well, infiltrated uh, the, the Muslim uh, group. Now, they're, they're already a problem, and they hate us because of what we believe about Jesus Christ. But... Uh, uh, that group has been infiltrated and greatly influenced uh, and pulling together to people to uh, always oppose the United States and uh, those who believe in freedom for people. So you, now, when you, you have, what I found very, very interesting about your none dare call it treason 25 years later is you have several pages in there on a subject that really interests me, we're planning a book on this next year, John, uh, on the Marxist dialectic. And uh, is how you see uh, Russia today and, and, and uh, 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 getting rid of the cloak of communism, the so-called collapse, is this, in your view, part of the dialectic where they're trying to fool us once again into thinking they're something they're not? I think uh, very definitely. Uh, I've come to the place where I've said to some people that I personally would not let hardly any kid go off to college today. The, uh, the, the major college campuses have been uh, so well influenced and taken over uh, in particularly the, the sociology, the psychology, uh, uh, the historical, and they're training people uh, to be organizers. Uh, the president was what, he became a community organizer. And uh, these people are coming out of our colleges today and uh, they're out to organize young people uh, to hate America. Uh, there's, we, we have serious problems with what's going on in our colleges today. And I think that uh, uh, I would just, I, I would recognize, the, I would organize. Now, there are, some of the engineering schools are a little better. But even they have been influenced and taken over. Uh, and, uh, for example, up at MIT, which was one of our top engineering schools, this guy Gruber, who, who claims to have been one of the organizers of uh, Obama and, and all the rest, uh, they're out to, to create people that hate America and uh, question our history, uh, convinced that 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 they're and they're organizing people to someday produce a revolution. Well, when we look at these people, you just mentioned them. We've got to look at the president himself, Barack Obama, the top uh, quote community organizer. Is there any doubt in your mind, uh, John Stormer, that our president is a Marxist? Uh, well, he's two things, and my wife and I can continue to argue over this. Is he a Marxist, or is he a Muslim? Mm. And uh, he is really uh, involved in both of those things rather clearly. If you go out and go back over the last seven years and see the speeches he's gone into Egypt and other places, uh, he's anti-American. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Now, whether it, whether it started or whether there's influence there on the part of his father, uh, uh, there's there's just real problems. You look at her whole foreign policy, and uh, there's a very rare part of our foreign policy that's pro-American. Yes. We're in serious, we're in very, very serious difficulty. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking with John A. Stormer. He's the uh, famous author of the 1964 bestseller, None Dare Call It Treason. Uh, it was updated with the book, uh, None Dare Call It Treason, 25 years later. Uh, now, John, before we go any further, uh, up at your uh, website, Liberty Bell Press, uh, you, you have some material about your books. But, of course, you mentioned that uh, Nundar Call It Treason is out of print. And, and, and you suggest people go to Amazon.com, where you can find some individual copies here and there. Uh, and pay through, pay through the nose to get them. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, I did notice there's one website that offers a download of Nundar Call It Treason. I think you have to join. It's called Scribda. Uh, you join for $8 for a daily pass, and you can download your book. I didn't know if you were aware of that or not. Uh, but, I've, but, I've heard that, yes. Now, is there any other way for people uh, who want to learn about our history, who want to learn about the source of this problem, uh, to get your book through other means? Would it be possible for our group to simply reprint your book and distribute it? Is that possible? Is there? I, I guess well, what I'm getting at is how your book is so powerful, had such an impact at the time, and Jerry Kenny, my co-host, has talked about the impact it's had on him as well. Uh, how can we produce more copies, publish more copies, and get them into more hands even at this point? There's some new things being developed right now. There is a a Bible publisher, Dickinson Press, in in uh, Michigan, that has a division that uh, they'll take one book, for example. We could take one copy of None Dare Call It Treason. They cut it up and uh, uh, take each page and duplicate it, and uh, then they you can you can get the book for. A it costs about ten dollars that they can produce on a per copy basis uh, for that, and and I'm looking at that and uh, wondering if there could be enough of interest on the part of people. Uh, it's important that background is very good. Uh, it's essential. Uh, we have the same problems today, and. Uh, so that's something that I might consider, but uh, but when you get to the eighty-six years old, <laughs> you don't feel like starting a whole new project. But uh, uh, it's probably worth doing. And as I say, Dickinson Press can do this, and they cut up one book, and they they make the basic thing, and from that they can produce books for maybe about ten dollars a piece. And uh, and in some quantity, it'd be able to maybe do it. So that might be somebody to look at, uh, as I say. And I'd be willing to work with anybody that was wanting to do it. But uh, because not only the you you mentioned under call it treason and under call it treason twenty five years later, and they're both essential, but. Uh, we're selling a lot of copies of, of uh, not dare call it education, as to what the schools are doing in America. Not just in the colleges, now it's getting down into the grade school, into the, into the high schools. And uh, the, uh, the book on, on, uh, on what's happening to our courts is, is very, very important. And... Uh, uh, their college education is available, but the other books are all out of print. So if they want Nundar College education, they can go to libertybellpress.com and order it there. That's exactly right. 
and there there are a few uh, there there are some of the Bible colleges, uh, uh, Pensacola and Crown College and and other Bible colleges around the country uh, uh, have those books and integrate them into their regular curriculum as they're training future teachers and all the rest. And uh, we're selling those uh, fairly regularly. That's great news. Let me ask my co-host and producer, Jerry Kenny to get in on this. Jerry? Yeah, I uh, first of all, I just want to say, uh, Mr. Stormer, it's an honor to have you on the program. Uh, just a little background. Uh, I went up to uh, visit Cliff, uh, I guess it was about a month or so ago, and, and Cliff uh, brought out this little book and showed me, and I, and I picked up a copy of it. And I have got to tell you, I have never read a book that has impacted me as much as this has. Uh, I'm th 63 years old, and I cannot believe that this thing has been around since 1964, and, and uh, I have not found it. Uh, you know, we hear a, a lot uh, today, people talk about uh, connecting the dots, and, and uh, I, you know, it, it, uh, with all the things that are going on, all the, the turmoil that's in the world, and what I love so much about this book is how you go all the way back, uh, I think even to the FDR uh, administration, and you right. follow it all the way up through to the present. And to be honest with you, reading things in, in this book that happened in 1964, it's like reading today's headlines. I mean, it's exactly. almost like a broken record the way that, that our leaders have been duped in this country. And, and, and I believe that... that uh, uh, what this really does, it, it exposes the DNA, as far as I'm concerned, of the Marxist movement in the world. But, uh, you know, we hear all the talk about connecting dots, and but the one dot that never seems to get connected is why is all of this stuff happening? And, and, and what, you know, what's the master plan that's going on here? And I love so much how you start the book out talking about the foundations of Marxism and, and what it really is, what their tactics are, uh, what they're attempting to do, uh, how they, you know, fake their death, how they go along. Uh, now, I've studied uh, comparative world religions in college where, where they actually taught communism as a religion. Uh, I'd like to think that I have been halfways educated in my life, and, and I was exposed to uh, the communist uh, doctrine, the teachings of it in high school and in college. But... Uh, they didn't really teach it the way that it's explained here and, and, and the way that it really is and, and what, the, what the master plan is. And, and I think as you brought out, as Cliff had mentioned, you know, uh, I remember in the 90s, hey, I, I saw the Berlin Wall fall. Uh, we all thought that communism came to an end, that, uh, that all this stuff had gone away. Uh, Nixon went over to uh, uh, Red China and opened up uh, – uh, trade with them. And we were told that when trade was opened up with Red China, that all of a sudden these people would have all these democratic rights and that, uh, that uh, peace and harmony would break out. We were told the same thing about Russia. We're being told the same thing today about Cuba, that if we just do business with them, that, uh, that uh, their China. people will be free. And now what are they doing? They use that money to build their militaries up. And they haven't died they're on the march, but, but I, I, I really don't have a question as much as I want to thank you for writing this book, and I want anyone who is watching this program that if you ever read another book in your life, you need to read None Dare Call It Treason. It will rock your world. It's good to look around. You can find some older conservatives around. Uh, there were an awful lot of them that bought the book by, by hundreds and uh, uh, you'll find that people have in their attics or somewhere uh, uh, a partial case or more of none dare call it treason. Uh, uh, doctor, uh, there was a doctor in California who went to be with the Lord about uh, um, three months ago, and he was on the radio. He was a, a medical doctor who uh, left that and uh, did five hours a day on talk radio all over the country. And uh, he had a lot of those books and was able to distribute many, many, many that way. And uh, so there, there are books around, uh, and as you say, uh, uh, some of the used book houses have them. And uh, you'll find a few libraries that have it. 
Oh, they're they're out there, Mr. Stormer. If I could, could you explain to our our uh, uh, viewers and to our audience how you came up with the title "None Dare Call It Treason"? Okay, uh, I'm going to have to quickly pull this back. But uh, uh, as we were looking, as we were writing the book, we were looking for a title, and. Uh, I wish I had the book here right now, but uh, we were looking for a title and uh, had come up with a dozen different possible titles, and one day I was reading, and uh, see if I can come up with a man. Uh, He was an Englishman in about... just about 1600, who uh, was detailing some things, and in those things he had the the uh, why uh, why is nobody aware of what's happening? Because none dare call it treason. I said, boy, that's that's the title right there, and. Uh, uh, we picked that up, and I think the title was an important part of the success of the book. That's an amazing story, and I know the doctor you're referring to who just passed away, that was, uh, I knew him, that was Dr. Stanley Monteith. Exactly, yes. And uh, for, for many years, I was, uh, I was at least once a month on his broadcast, uh, uh, every uh, at least once a month uh, for four or five years. Uh, great man. Yes, indeed. Now, we're talking with John Stormer, author of many books, uh, including None Dare Call It Treason, as well as None Dare Call It Education, which is still available through his libertybellpress.com. He's also written Betrayed by the Bench, about the out-of-control judiciary, and one about how parents can raise good kids growing up God's way. I know, uh, John, in your follow-up book, uh, Death of a Nation, which w- was published four years after None Dare Call It Treason, in 1968, it, w- it had a, a very religious uh, tone to it. And I know you're a committed Christian. Uh, let me ask you uh, to to give your opinion on a sensitive religious topic. Uh, I just did a column today uh, about, uh, and, and let me explain, I'm a Catholic, I'm a practicing Catholic, but I've, I started a website several years ago called religiousleftexposed.com, trying to expose the Marxist elements in the Catholic Church and other denominations. And... Uh, as you know, uh, Pope Francis uh, played a key role in President Obama's decision to open up relations with communist Cuba. Uh, But not just that, uh, Pope Francis has been very critical of Western-style capitalism. Uh, Several months ago, he rehabilitated a Marxist liberation theologian uh, who was a uh, minister in the communist Sandinista government uh, it seems like, uh, and let's be blunt, the, the, the pontiff, the pope of the Roman Catholic Church has very strong uh, Marxist leanings. What do you think? Well, there's some definite problems there. There's, there's been the attempt to reach out and reach the Muslims and so forth. In doing so, they water down uh, some of their basic beliefs. You mentioned that uh, you're a, you're a dedicated Catholic, and I grew up that way, uh, for which I praise the Lord on this basis. Uh, in fact, I've written a, my latest book is called uh, "Something Was Missing," and in that I detail the fact that I grew up. I was an older boy, and all that sort of stuff, and. Uh, I believed that Jesus Christ was God, that he died for the sins of the world, uh, that he rose from the dead to become the new life of those who would believe, 
and uh, all the very basics of, we'll say, the Catholic faith. Uh, the difficulty was, was I, I knew that, was taught in it, believed it. Uh, everything was there except you got to take the things you say you believe and apply it to your own personal need for a Savior. <laughs> and uh, so that's my latest book, and I'll send you a copy of that. And uh, it's a short book that uh, uh, detailing how I came to that sort of faith and uh, then... Uh, uh, I went on from there to examine what I believed about the the faith and the, the what, what I saw to be some of the changes. And uh, within within six months after I came to faith and saw that that Christ died not just for the sins of the world, but for me and my personal sins personally. That so transformed my life that uh, uh, I started to try and tell everybody, and I ended up becoming a pastor. And for 40 years, I, I was a pastor. <laughs> and this new book, uh, a lot of people are getting it. Some churches are using it to help people who are searching and looking. <laughs> well, that's tremendous. That's a great uh, story on your part, and... And certainly, I believe uh, people have to have a personal relationship uh, with Christ. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of good religious people out there, Catholics and non-Catholics alike. Uh, I'm very troubled by the corruption in the Catholic Church, uh, beginning at the top and running through the Catholic bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. Uh, but it's not just Catholics. You and I know uh, we've seen moral failings all across the board with our religious community uh, as we as we look forward as we go forward john uh, trying to restart this awakening uh, to get people to understand uh, what's happening in our country you're doing your part you were a minister you just said for 40 years you've written all these great books some of them still available at libertybellpress.com in the end what's it going to take to turn this country around? The only thing that will really turn the country around is for people to come, first of all, to know Jesus Christ uh, in a personal way, to see that what he did on the cross, when he took the sins of all mankind on the cross, and uh, uh, he believed, and he died, and Three days later, he arose from the dead to be the new life of those who would believe on him and believe that he had taken their, their sins. And uh, uh, once you come to that, then to get into the Bible, a uh, good place to start is the Gospel of St. John. The Gospel of St. John was written again and again and again uh, to say, these have been written so that you might come to faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, I'd recommend anybody that was reading and is having questions that they might carefully just uh, spend about a month, those uh, 24 chapters of uh, John's Gospel, uh, read one a day, two a day, and uh, see how does this apply to me and my need for... Uh, there's all sorts of people who, who believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he's the Savior of the world, and so forth, they just come to, need to come to know how what he did applies to their lives personally. That's a great message as we get ready for Christmas. Uh, but let me switch gears on you, if I could, and go political again, because uh, clearly we need personal, uh, personal beliefs based on, on Christianity and, and with, with God. We need, though, political action at the same time. We need faith. We need political action. Uh, you talked about getting to be able to discuss these issues with uh, Ronald Reagan uh, when you were both alternate delegates uh, at the 64 convention. Eventually, Ronald Reagan would run for president, become president. Uh, when you look at the political landscape today, John, uh, 
I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, what senators, congressmen, mayors, governors, members of Congress, who really strikes your eye as somebody who could be, let's put it this way, another Reagan? Uh, that's a difficult question. There's, there's uh, at least a half a dozen or so, uh, starting with, uh, uh, well, Ted Cruz and, and uh, uh, the senator from Kentucky, uh, uh, the governor of Texas. Uh, there's a number of these people that impress me that have accomplished certain things, the senator from Florida, and uh, I think one of the difficulties we face today is that as they're all fighting one another, looking to be the presidential nominee, maybe, you're going to have some liberal who steps up and says, well, with all this battling going on, I can be the one that can really solve the problems, and whether that's... Uh, uh, young Bush, uh, the younger Bush uh, uh, son, uh, Romney coming back, uh, and there'll be some others who pop up uh, and say, we are the one, but uh, people need to, to see what, what each of these people really believe and what are they going to do, and uh, while they're fighting one another, I'm afraid there'll be some uh, middle of the rotor uh, that will uh, keep us from really pulling together and and and, and organizing uh, to to uh, really solve, go to work to solve the problems. And, that's uh, that's interesting. Now I'm I'm not going to go over that list of of the various people you were alluding to or mentioned. But, but I guess the conclusion uh, we should all come to when listening to you is that, uh, like decades ago, you still believe conservatives should be working through the Republican Party. Well, uh, yes, I do. Uh, now, I've, I've been involved. I was involved with, uh, with uh, Art Phillips, uh, who I believe is our mutual friend. Yes. Uh, and... Uh, forming the Constitution Party, and before that was Howard had the other group. And I was involved in those, but I came to see that uh, most people are either Republicans or Democrats. And uh, there's uh, multitudes, millions of uh, fine old people out there who uh, will say they're, they're Republicans, uh, they don't know what the party believes or whatever, but if somebody is the Republican candidate, for the most part, they'll support them. And uh, I think to organize a, a fourth group or a third group that could, uh, I, I don't know from a practical standpoint, practical politics, whether that can be organized. Mm -hmm. I don't think that most people would be serious. Now, I'm interested in... Uh, the doctor from John Hopkins University. He's a very sound man. He's a Christian, and he's a conservative. Uh, and uh, whether or not uh, uh, he could pull the people together, uh, but uh, for the most part, I think it's going to have to be done through the two major parties. Uh, and I don't like to think that because I get so upset with most of the Republicans. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, John, we've been talking to John Stormer, uh, author of the phenomenal bestseller, None Dare Call It Treason. Uh, uh, Jerry, do you have any more questions? No, it's just uh, it's just been an honor to have uh, Mr. Stormer on, on uh, the program tonight. I did find a quote, and I think this is the one. This was uh, John Harrington, the Englishman right. in the 1600s, said, Treason doth never prosper. What is the reason? For if it prosper... None dare call it treason. Uh, sounds like a major case of denial. Right. And, and that, you, you had the name John Harrington. And uh, when I read that uh, comment by him, 
uh, back uh, 19, the early 60s, I said, boy, this is, this is the answer, and it turned out that it was uh, a key, I think, to uh, choosing that title for the book was a key to its success. Now, finally, uh, I want to make sure people know how to contact you, uh, John. Uh, I've mentioned the website, libertybellpress.com. Uh, you have uh, various books available, some DVDs, some videos. Uh, can people order through the website, or do they need to call a phone number, or what? Uh, they could order through the website would be the best way to reach me. Okay. That's uh, Liberty Bell Press, Post Office, Box 32, Flores, Missouri. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, I was there for years. Still picked my mail up there. But I've moved uh, 50 miles out uh, to Troy, Missouri, and uh, live out here. But uh, I do check the mailbox in there once a week. Uh, I go to I go to Florida, I go back to Florissant uh, with my wife, and we run a Bible study uh, at a nursing home there in the Florissant area, and uh, that gets me there once a week. Very interesting. Well. I want to thank you again for taking this time uh, to be with us, uh, and, and please let me know about any plans to bring back None Dare Call It Treason. Uh, my organization would be happy to help out in any way that makes sense to you, uh, because it should be more readily available rather than just having people <laughs> go through Amazon.com and find a copy here, a copy there. Um, it, it I, I have I have I have five copies. Ah. <laughs> Actually, when when Stan Monteith died, uh, Stan's wife found me five copies of Under Call It Treason and and Under Call It Twenty Five Years Later, and and uh, I got it from Stan Monteith's wife, and uh, I have them in a little box and I haven't done anything about them, but uh, one of the things I will do is. Uh, uh, there's a, a salesman for Dickinson Press. His name is Terry Muslow, and he's here in Chicago, the Chicago area. And uh, I need to go to work to uh, have uh, the company that they work with that could take that, those books and cut them up and make a book, and we could maybe sell them for a decent price. But uh, again, uh, I had, at one point, I had 40, I had 50, 60, 80,000 names in my files. Most of those people are dead today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, that's uh, the tragedy. Yes. And, uh, uh, well, it's, uh, John, I, it's such a, a tragedy in so many ways. Howard Phillips passed away last year. Uh, yes, he did. Or this year, and I, I I went to his memorial service. Dr. Stanley Monteith passed away. Uh, right. I could go through a list uh, of people we've worked with through my group, America's Survival. Herb Romerston. Bunker, Bunker Hunt. Bunker Hunt went to be with the Lord a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's it's, uh, and that's why. Um, uh, let me let me ask. Can I ask? How old are you now? Eighty-six. 86. Well, I tell you, you still sound as sharp as a tack. <laughs> I'll I, I, I mean, all, all the credit in the world uh, goes to you for, for really uh, having a dramatic impact on the course of history. Clearly, as you discussed, your book had a big impact on Ronald Reagan. And uh, we got to make sure this message gets out again. Uh, but I've taken enough of your time and want to thank you again, John, John Stormer, for being you. with us on America's Survival TV. Merry Christmas to you. I thank you for the privilege of being with you, and Merry Christmas to you. Bye-bye. And we want to thank all of you for uh, tuning into this very special edition of America's Survival TV. Uh, I just want to tell you that if you had to pay $500 for a copy of... Uh, <laughs> None dare call it treason. It'll be the best investment that you ever made in your life. I cannot 
recommend this book enough. It's just I such an honor. I think you can get them for about $20, I think, from uh, <laughs> Amazon.com. <laughs> okay, $20. I mean, $20, my goodness. Anyway, yeah. we want to thank all of you uh, for tuning in uh, to, is, to the special program. We will be uh, off next week. We'll be back again live uh, January the 7th for another edition of America's Survival TV on Roku. Thanks for watching. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.